This is Off The Bench with Jason Matthews. A look back at the week in sport and the big interviews. It has been a big week on Sports Day and some big interviews have happened this week. The Badge and Sats caught up with Ian Healy as we chat about the Poms and Ben Stokes coming to Australia for the Ashes series. That's huge news. In fact, uh, the English side or the group, the tour group, will arrive uh, next week. Can you believe that? Ahead of the first test at uh, the Gabba, December 8. Can't wait for that. The Ashes. Nothing. It's no better moment in cricket than that. Uh, also caught up with uh, Luke Lewis, uh, who was uh, who played a premiership with uh, Penrith and also the Sharks. But more specifically, we caught up with him about the Sharks because uh, they featured during the week as uh, Badge was broadcasting from the uh, Cronulla Sharks home studio. Uh, and Sam Bacco, Salmon, Slam and Sam Bacco, of course, a former teammate of Badge's at the, at the Raiders. Interesting interview. All I can say is I'm glad we pre-recorded it. Uh, you'll hear that uh, as well. In fact, uh, we'll get into that right now. This is Sam Bacco to kick off off the bench for another weekend. Queensland with two tackles. Well, they've, got two, they've got 20 seconds to do something. Well, Lewis is desperately yeah. trying. He's done it. Oh, Bacco's in. Well, Lewis had a look. You said 20 seconds, and that's all they had. And Bacco just barged over. Uh, of course, tonight, the Canberra Raiders. We're looking at some of the greats who played for the Raiders and with yourself too, Badge. He played 115 games for the Raiders, Sam Bacco. Welcome to Sports Day, mate. Hey, thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. What a machine, a try-scoring machine, apart from the fact he's one of the, the great front rowers and um, proud and uh, great Indigenous rugby league player. Sammy was also, not. I'm not sure enough people realise, the first Kangaroos forward to score tries in his first three tests. That was the same year as that bit of... Um, Stuff we just heard from 1988, State of Origin, but in your first three tests against the POM, Sam, that would bring back some great memories for you. Well, it's probably my best year, 1988 badge. We made the grand final in 87 against uh, Cliffy Lyons' team. Yeah, 1983, when you went back down to the Raiders, Sammy, I mean, it's only their second season in the competition. Of course, they came in in 82. What was it like? Was it, was it tough years, only very early to the Mate. competition? Yeah, it was, they were tough years, but you, you think, you know, we, it was, they were building years, you know, like obviously Raiders, yeah, they they bought a few, they had a few fellas from Sydney, but they were relying mostly on, on local talent, you know? You know that's where you like your Chrissy Sullivan's and, you know, they, you know what's that what's big fullback we had, that Callaghan? And, uh, Bullwinkle. Quite a year back, Bullwinkle, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Steve O'Callaghan. Yeah, a lot of uh, uh, Callahan, yeah, but, yeah, but well, I, the point I'm making, they had they, they used a lot of local stuff, and then they, you know, they only bought a few guys. Yeah, they had, I think, Cookie and um, you know, they had Lloydie Martin, Percy, all, yeah, virtually all the old Harry Asbeads. You know, they the Raiders took them on. I shouldn't say that. My big mate Nana, he was the first captain. God bless him. But yeah, you know, they bought a few blokes down from Sydney, but they were. They were sort of relying on the local product, you know, building build that up. But, Sam, what about those? some of those blokes, I've got to say, that were there in those early days with you, David Grant, you mentioned Nana, Terry Regan, uh, yourself. Jay Hoffman. It, it, it was a bit of a – they could play footy. They were tough. They were pretty loose. But, gee, what a rat pack off the field you mob were. You're getting some <laughs> trouble down there. 
Well, lucky I didn't have mobile phones there, mate. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah, we got. When I first went down there, there, just for our listeners, when I first went down there, we got warned off. Don't go out to a couple of different night clubs and pubs. They won't let you in if you're a raider. So don't wear your raiders gear because the boys had wreaked plenty of habit. But it took it took a few years, Sam, didn't it, to get uh, to really get the side or the team, the club playing, you know, to be properly competitive, semi-finals competitive. What do you reckon yeah, well, the catalyst I, for that was in '87? Well, you know, I, I think you know, like, uh, you know, well, you got to you got to give Benny um, credit there, you know, like, but you, if you think of it, that, that whole leading up until '87, like '85, we made the um, the reserve grade made the grand final, and I dropped back out of the first grade to play the last few games in reserve grade to qualify, and Alan McMahon was the coach, so. They were building, you know, it was building, building, you know. And then um, when when Benny come down and, you know, um, um, Fatty took over the like the head coach and, you know, Wayne was his understudy. Wayne sort of, you know, brought a different, I suppose, a different culture to the club, you know. And the mm. way, how, you know, the way you approach, the way the way we played the game and how we thought about it. You know, he brought another psychology to the game, like, so I reckon he's a good psychologist, I'll bet. I've always said that. He must be good because he's born on the same day as me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Now, of course, 86, a lot of really good players come down from Queensland, a, a, a gluttony of uh, players that all played Origin uh, eventually. Now, Sam, you talked about the 1987 grand final. What were your memories from that? I know there was Kevin Ward who had an outstanding game. It was a hot day. I can remember that. Cliffy Lyons put on a clinic, but... You yourself, what's what's some of the big memories from that day, last grand final at the SCG? Well, mate, just the, just the fact of being there, you know, like Kevin. But what pissed me off about it though was that the week before they give us um, they give us a motorcade ride around around um, Canberra, mm. and mate, you wouldn't believe. You know, I'm sitting in the front of this one. What are we? What are we doing here? You know, like we haven't even played a game yet. You know, says, and so, yeah, that, that that just that pissed me off that little part of it. But anyway, as it turned out, Cliffy had a blinder. You know, Big Wardy was off his head, and they they got the they got the result. <laughs> mm. You talk about Wayne Bennett, but Donny Ferner, the influence that he had on those early years on that playing group, mate. Donny. Donnie's a legend, mate. I love the blow dearly. When I first went into the come back to Queensland and I came back, a little halfback by the name of Jerry Delacruz, he was the first um he was the first halfback for the Raiders before Chris O'Sullivan, you see. And Cruz rang me up and he said, Brother, he said, Get back here, he says, excuse me, I'm an actor, he said, You'll give it to these fellas in Sydney like that, you know. I, I sort of trained the bat and I said, no, I decided to go back. My uh, girlfriend at the time, she left me and she'd gone back there and I ended up going back and married and we had four kids, but that's another story. But at the time, <laughs> when, I, um, when I walked into the club there, the day I walked into the club, the Creamy and Leeds Club, the same day, and I didn't, I didn't uh, the bloke who told me this, we'd already retired, we are sitting around his, around his um, backyard out at Wellington, big Jetta, Terry, Terry, uh, Terry Faye. Jed was walking up the steps with, with Donnie Ferner at the time. And, and this is a truth. You can't bullshit about this because Jed had told me this story. 
And he said, when he walked in, when he was going up the stairs, fairly odd walked in. I had long hair and I'm a bit scruffy. Uh, you know, I just got off the road, come back from North Queensland. And um, he said, you see that young bloke there? He said, he'll play for Australia like that, you know. And, you know, well, as it turned out, he, Donnie ended up picking me for Australia and I, and I played in 88, the, the three tests, you know. But, like... Uh, I can't say, I can't speak highly enough of the man, you know, for what he done. And not just for me, but for all the blokes, you know, like everybody was the same with Donnie, you know, like, you know, he didn't have any, any special, that. everyone, you know, he, he had time for everybody. Good that's, judge that's of talent. That's why they he, Yeah, he was great judge of talent. Almost too nice in some ways to be a top grade coach because, uh, he, yeah. he, 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 everyone loved him. He liked to be liked by everyone. Sammy, so we, we play that. We get beaten in our first ever grand final against Manly, 87. 88, we fell apart a bit with a few injuries, um, in, in particular to Mal. And, uh, but we were really looking really looking strong and going well. But we, we, we finished up near the top of the table, went out the back door in the finals. And then you left with, um, along with Pete Jackson for the Broncos. Yeah. Mm. What, happened, what happened there? You know, me and Dino weren't the best of, uh, you know, best of, best of buddies, but that's how it was. And yeah, you know, really, I wanted to get back towards, start getting back towards Cairns, you know, back to home. Like I'm, I'm a Queenslander, mate, and you know, North Queensland more in particular. 1988, you were the <laughs> you were the Dally M front row of the year. Now there were some great front rows back at the back end of the 80s and the and the early 90s. But which front row gave you the biggest headaches to play against? But you, you, you're not going to believe this, but big Donnie McKinnon. Oh, remember Donnie? He yeah. played, with, mm. played with Buddy Norse and then he went to Manly. Yep. yep. Uh, 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 but Donnie was a big, raw bone fella, you know? And he was a copper too. And I think he might have thought that he knew that I didn't like coppers. <laughs> 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 he always used to... Every time he'd, he'd put a little bit more into Every time he tackled me, that big unit, but... <laughs> No, like, mate, really not too many not too many fellas worried me, you know. Like, I always had an attitude, like, if you're not going to kill me, I'm going to kill you, you know. Mm. So, yeah, that's just me. That's just how I, I play the game, you know. Either, you're either for me or against me. Mm. We do have to say a bit of a shout-out to one of our regular um, listeners who, who texts in all the time, Sam, and talks about you, about being one of his best mates. Danger. <laughs> Lives in Cairns. Lives in Cairns. Danger. Danger, yeah. I'm sure there's one lad here. (laughs) He'd be annoying. He'd be annoying, Sam. Yeah, danger. That's that's one of them names, isn't it? You have to be clear. I've got, got a lot of mates that are, that are dangerous. <laughs> well, this one, this one would be on the schooners at about, well, it'd be dead set before midday. Yeah. yeah. If that rings any bells. Has eight long necks while having a bath every night. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I could, I could, I could put that. I could put a few blokes into that category. <laughs> that doesn't, yeah. Sammy Badge, uh, really good for, really great that you teed up Sammy today. I'm glad we recorded this as well. A lot of uh, post interview uh, <laughs> yeah. editing going oh, yeah, yeah. on. By the time you hear this, it'll be Couple squeaky clean. Hopefully, I haven't missed anything. Sammy, yeah, 
Just before we go, Sam, do you remember when you got banned from doing any interviews on, on TV because you, you dropped the F-bomb? South <laughs> origin, wasn't it? Yeah, remember that? Mate. Well, it's common, it's common language on TV now. <laughs> <laughs> but who, who, who was that? That was like in 1987 or something. And Sam's winning man of the match every second week, but they couldn't. I think he must have he got rushed for a few because he, they couldn't interview him. But, uh, yeah, you were banned for a while, weren't you? Well, they used to say every time they interviewed me after that, we were on national TV, Sam, I said, yeah, right, I'll go and sort of you know, straighten up, get the back straight, <laughs> start thinking what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, when he when they said you can cut, you, you know, he's you're right now, and they grabbed you and said, "Yeah, you're one man of the match, Sam. Just be careful, yeah, yeah." So you must have gone. I'm not going to drop the f bomb. I don't know if you remember this dead set. We he won the the uh, the the dunce of the week or the t-shirt of the week for this. He's gone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good on you, gear. Great. Thanks for that, guys. Yeah, mate. And at the end they went. Oh, could I one more thing? You could see them all go a bit white. The the, the gold, <laughs> and he's gone. Oh, me and Ivan Henjack just bought a bottle shop down at Woden. Come and buy some piss from us. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that, Sammy? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh, that's gold. That is Funny. gold. I should have replaced. I should have replaced piss with grog. <laughs> yeah, you should have. <laughs> oh, great chat, Sam Bacco. I uh, hope you're enjoying yourself in Cairns. Uh, be good with danger up there, and and as one of the Raiders greats. Yeah. I, I think I, I think I know the fella you're talking about, eh? It, 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 yeah, he's pesty a, looking. He's a man. He's a man, pesty fella, but he's a man. He's a mad raider man. Is he? I don't know if that's him, but anyway, we'll go. We'll go, there, Sam. <laughs> Mate, uh, thanks for being one of the great raiders of all time. You're getting lots of votes tonight, and thanks for joining us on Sports Day. Hey, Ryan. Thanks, fellas. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL. What sort of result can the Roosters get? Oh. Intercepted oh. again! This time from 90 metres! Luke Lewis! Here comes Mitchell! Go, oh. you old thing! Oh. Oh. will not worry them! <laughs> Lewis has got 90! Alert like... the Vatican! They should make him a saint! I don't know if he's Catholic, but that is absolutely extraordinary. Right. You've witnessed another miracle. 80 last week. 90 this week for Luke Lewis. First of all, first question off the top of this interview, Luke Lewis, are you Catholic? <laughs> yeah, I am actually. I am Catholic, but uh, it was good to hear that uh, that old saying, that uh, call, sorry. It was, uh, I can't believe it. I got the longest try when I was at the back end of my career. Great. <laughs> so you, what year was that? That was, I think, 2018. It was my last year. But Louis, also you heard Vossi say ninety meters this week because the week before it was a it was a mirror image. You took an intercept the week before, didn't you? Yeah, I was against Manly at home, but I was absolutely knackered. I remember we had about three or four defensive sets, and I was that tired. And then Chatty Townsend yelled out to me, "Louis, watch the switch play." I looked up and I had the switch play set up that we'd done video on it all week. I thought I'm just going to go for it here, and, and ended up getting the intercept and went eighty that week, and I struggled to get there. And then uh, the following week, I couldn't believe me luck. But anyway, it was all good. No, nah, it was a great career. 324 games, uh, NRL games. That's outside of your 16 tests and 17 games for New South Wales. And proud Blacktown boys and started with the Panthers. But tonight it's all about the Sharks because Badger's coming out of the Cronulla Sharks studio. And you went there in 2013, Louis, from Penrith. Were you aware of the history surrounding the heartache of never winning a premiership at the Sharks? You know, well, I didn't really think about it too much because I remember when I first came over to the Sharks, I actually 
the reason I made the decision to come to Cronulla was um, I had a dream in the middle of the night that I had to go to the Sharks. I was going to win the grand final. So I uh, had a good man in Petro Sevenaceva said to me, mate, just follow your gut. So I actually followed my gut, believe what he said. And, mate, come over to Penrith and, uh, I mean, over to the Cronulla Sharks and didn't realise um, you know, how much it actually meant to the community out here. It was unbelievable. But uh, they'd always, you know, talk about it when we come out here. There was uh, Chris Hynington and Bo Ryan, Michael Gordon. And every time we went had a coffee, you said, oh, mate, we're going we're to win the grand final this year. And lo and behold, we got, we got to win the grand final four years later. But, um, yeah, it meant so much to the whole community. Every person out here still today says thank you. And, mate, it, it was, uh, you know, very, very special just to be a part of, of a team that wins the grand final. But to realise how much they had waited and how long they had waited to actually win one and bring that trophy home was mind-blowing. Yeah, especially being the first one for the club in 2016. Now, you just turned 20 when you won in 2003. Then, again, like we say, you win in 2016 um, when you're 33. Did you appreciate it a lot more? Oh, I did. Look, I absolutely loved Penrith. I was a Penrith boy uh, through and through. Uh, I watched uh, and supported Penrith as a kid. Mate, you were one of my, my heroes and Craig Gower and Ryan Girdle and the list goes on. Reese West on here I am running out playing with you boys. But when we, I just expected, to, to be honest, that would make the semis um, you know, very early on. I expected to make grand finals because we did it so much as kids. And I just thought, oh, it's normal, right? Um, and then sort of come in and we had all you guys that were leaders. And, mate, uh, we won the grand final. I thought, oh, it's all right. We'll get another opportunity next year. We went pretty close, but we missed out, obviously, in that prelim final against the Bulldogs. But... Um, I didn't appreciate it as much as I should have. I didn't sit back and enjoy the the moment. Um, I was pretty anal about you know preparation and what I needed to do and, and be try and come back better next year. And when we found out we got selected in the Australian Kangaroo Tour the Mad Monday after the Grand Final, mate, as soon as me, our, our name got caught out, my mindset went from having a beer and enjoying you you boys and the mateship to going home and start preparing and, and making sure I was fit and ready to go for the Kangaroo Tour. So. Um, mate, if I had my time over again, mate, I'd sit back, relax, enjoy the moment and um, yeah, worry about what was next when it came. But I didn't do that. But I got to do that when I got older. So that experience um, from the first grand final, I was uh, very appreciative of. And, of course, winning that, that comp in 2016 with the Sharks, um, how... how well, you already said how appreciative is the, the community was. But what about the... I want to know about the former players. Are they really well connected to their their former stars. I know see ET out there a bit and Gavin Miller, but do they embrace their former players at, at Cronulla? Now, you know what? I think it could be a lot better. Um, and, and it's definitely going in that direction now where the club uh, are really trying to bring in and keep the old players around and build that community and that culture. Uh, but when I first got there, there, there wasn't, you wouldn't see any of the older players. There was no one around uh, when I first come to the club. So, uh, you know, I was expecting to, to see, you know, people like you know, Jason Stevens and, and Andrew Eddinghausen and, you know, uh, Barry Russell and all these guys around the club all the time. But um, you just never seen it. And uh, ever since Dino Mezzatest has come in, he's slowly starting to bring that back in, making sure that he's got, you know, ex-players around the club because it's good for the young guys. And um, it's also good for the older guys just to keep that relationship with the, with the team that's running around now. But um, when I first came over, there was nothing there. Are you are you looking forward to to what the Sharks are, have got in in front of them? It's been a it was a bit of a lean year, um, but they've with Craig Fitzgibbon coming on board. Um, how much do you know about him? His his coaching your old Origin teammate. 
Well, you know what, I've had a lot to do with, um, you know, Fitzy. We, we got to play against him. I knew what he was like. I knew what his training ethics were like. Absolutely, you know, first class. I uh, got the kangaroo tour with him. It, it was unbelievable and he never left any stone unturned. I, I think he's learned a lot um, also with Trent Robinson and being in that coaching role. And I, I can't wait to see how he's going to, you know, thrive in this environment. But he's done some massive things for the club already. You know, um, you know, he's got obviously Dale Finuke and Nico Hines, but you got... A player like uh, Cam McInnes is an absolute freak when it comes to the training park and leadership. Um, I think that the club's going in the right direction at a very fast pace. And I think we'll pick up a couple of other people too over the next sort of six months to 12 months. And, um, you know, I think we'll be pushing pretty close to getting to that grand final again in the next sort of 12 to 18 months. I really do believe that. So, yeah, look, I can't wait to see what Fitzy adds to this um, this group. Uh, and, you know, I've got an opportunity to actually sit with him a couple of weeks ago and sort of have a look at the training schedule and how he sort of um, structured the, the pre-season. And it looks tough, but also you can tell he's got a real clear direction on, you know, what our defence is going to look like and how we're going to um, attack the year. And it's broken down all the way up until pretty much the first trial game already, and we haven't even started yet. So it's, uh, it looks pretty amazing. But the thing is, execution. The players have got to execute it, and they've got to buy into mm. what 50 wants, and I think he'll get that. Now, Louis, give us an insight into Jimmy Maloney and why he's such a winner from your 2016 Premiership year? Oh, mate, it's easy with Jimmy because we all called him Dory, mate. Like, he doesn't think or dwell on anything. And that's why he wins all the time. He's, you know, you get some players that are, are so classy, but if they do something wrong, uh, they get down and, and then the game can sort of just leave him by and, and it's gone and they can't get it back. Uh, with James Maloney, if he makes a, an error... Uh, within you know a second, it's forgotten about. Oh, well, who cares? It's it's part and parcel of the game. We'll start again. What are we going to do next? Uh, at the same time, mate, he competes at everything. He gets training. He's a loon bag as well, which I absolutely love about him. Uh, nothing's ever too serious, but when it needs to be serious, he switches on. Um, he blows up at people when need to be blowing up at. Uh, but he also, mate, knows how to sort of tip the, the coaches over the uh, <laughs> over the uh, edge uh, when you need it to. So he keeps us, you know, smiling and and happy and um, mate, then we just back him whatever he does and we just knows he'll come up with the right play every time we do it so mate he's just one of those players you love to play with a uh, bit of a pain in the backside to play against but playing with mate he just ticks every box and you know what the other thing about Jimmy is, is he doesn't speak up a whole lot but when he does speak up everyone's, everyone listens and in 2016 grand final night Melbourne finally got in front and uh Jimmy come out and said, mate, look, we knew everything wasn't going to go our way tonight. It's how we respond. He goes, give me five, de- five of our best defensive set all year, and I promise you we'll win this game. So we went up and kicked off, and we, we nailed the next five defensive sets. We got the ball back in the right field position, and obviously Mickey Annis plays short to uh, Andrew Fafita and he scores. But that all come down to the speech that um, James Maloney gave us when we were behind the line. Everyone's heads were down. No one really knew what to say. You know, how are we going to answer this Melbourne side who are an outstanding defensive side? But uh, Jimmy steps up, doesn't speak a whole lot the whole year and, and says exactly what we needed to hear. And we just executed it. That's great insight. Great insight. And you mentioned Andrew Ooh. Fafita. And I remember talking to you, Louis, once and saying, tell me what Andrew Fafita's like. And you said, you know, Satsy is one of the most loyal human beings you'll ever come across. But in that 2016 season, what a season he had. Oh, mate, he's a machine. Uh, it wasn't just what he did on the field that year either. Was, the way that he applied himself in the off-season, uh, every time he did fitness... Mate, big body. I think he was about 118 kilos at the time. And, mate, fitness, he'd be up the front. He'd be leading the fitness drills. Uh, he'd be leading with his action off the field. Uh, mate, he was just a 
absolute workhorse. And he just knew what he wanted to do and what he had to do for our team to get on the front foot. And, uh, mate, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, uh, he's... I'd never seen an engine on a fella like Andrew Fafita when he was at his best. Mm. Seriously. He was the, the mm. fittest human being I've ever seen for a big man. And, mate, he just took the, the leadership upon himself. He, he was a leader amongst many. He was only, he was only a young pup, you know. Uh, and that grand final night, he was outstanding. But the whole season, mate, he was... He was someone that we relied on all the time. If something was going down, we needed him to come up with a big carry off a kickoff or you know, come up with a big carry, get us on the front foot and get some momentum for us. He was a man that stuck his hand up. Uh, and then Matty Pryor followed along with it. And mate, those two blokes, um, you know, obviously Andrew Fafia gets a lot of, you know, spoken about a lot, but Matty Pryor doesn't get spoken about a whole lot. But those two, by far the best front rowers in the comp that year. And, and of course, um, Paul Gallon, you know, playing in that, uh, in that third um, hit-up role and playing the full game, quite often uh, just like Andrew Fafita kind of polarises people you know there's a lot of people uh, the, the real fans love him but people don't you know they dislike him or hate him do you find yourself defending those guys a lot because people just don't really understand you know or, or know, know them as well as you do yeah absolutely you know, that's a, that's a, uh, you know, there's a lot of people outside looking in that you know don't really like uh, or, you know, I've got bad things to say about people, but, mate, you don't realise what uh, these guys do behind the scenes and uh, how much they sacrifice to make sure that we're uh, getting on the front foot. So you're always, uh, you know, going to bat for them. But, mate, um, you can't really explain it to people until you play with people like that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I know, and I'm not just saying because Sats is on the phone, but, oh, mate, look, playing with Sats every week, week in, week out, you just knew what you were going to get and you knew that if, you know, someone ragdolled me, you know, from the wing, the first bloke that would be there would be, you know, Scott Sattler or, or Tony Pulitua or, you know, these blokes would just come over and look after you. And uh, that's just the mateship that you build up from the off-season. And, um, yeah, look, I, I can't speak a bad word about it because, seriously, what they did for our team all year and the sacrifices that they made were just mind-blowing. Yeah, and, and they, te- they teach you as a young kid coming through about how you educate those younger players as you get older. And I'm sure you did. Well, I've heard so many raps from uh, um, younger players about you. Um, Luke, can, can I just ask you who you're it's, it's a bit of a weird question but I get asked about the Raiders and I did last night who's your favourite Sharks player we've we had a lot of people texting in tonight but who's your favourite it could be someone who's a, a player before you or still playing or even one, one of your teammates You know, well, I'm, I, I have to say someone that I played with as a Sharks player and he brought back the love of the game for me, uh, Mick Ennis um, Mate, I remember when he first signed uh, with the Sharks, uh, I think it was 2015, he rings me up in the off-season and goes, mate, I'm pumped to be, you know, come and play with you over the next two years, but, you know, we've got to take our pre-season to another level this year. So we started, you know, doing our off-season training by ourselves and um, he said, everything we do, we've got to lead the fitness, you know. So, uh, mate, he just, um, you know, pretty much grabbed me and um, I sat right beside him in everything we did and, you mm-hmm. know, he, he brought the best out of me. Um, and then he also, we built this beautiful little combination with a, a back rower and a hooker, a dummy half. We just knew how to read each other just by spending time, I suppose, away from the game. But, um, mate, he, he was my uh, favourite Sharks player by far. Uh, purely, again, like I said, just the love of the game. The way he brought it back to me and made me appreciate, you know, everything I got. But you got to, you know, realise that all the hard work's done before you get on the field and I just needed someone to give me that extra drive again uh, as I was getting mm. older and, and he was a man that done that. Louis, there's also another bit of uh, Panthers flavour as well at, at the Sharks and of course Wade Graham who was younger than you and came through 
as a really successful junior coming through the Panthers, but was that the Cronulla Sharks as well when you arrived? And it's both back rows. You had two completely different games, didn't you? Which really complemented the side. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was uh, you know something we spoke about. Oh, we, we never spoke about while we were doing it, but you know, we I'm a big believer in, in you know in a really good team. You need someone who does something different all over the park. And yeah, you know, Wade Graham, he was playing in the back row, but he was. Bit like a five-eight in the back row's body, who would sort of play, like to play down short side, set up little um, you know shapes off him, and look for a nice little kick down an edge. Whereas I was more about okay, I just got to bang holes, try and create the space out the back for Benny Barber. If they bite in on me, well, Benny Barber's got three on two. If they don't bite in on me, well, I'm going through untouched. Sort of that's how we sort of um, you know had it set up. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, the best challenge that I had all year was against Wade. You know, me and Wade at training left the right. Uh, was probably the best preparation we could have going into any game. I was coming up against one of the, you know, the, the best uh, young back rolls in the game. It was always keeping me on my toes. I had to make sure that our right edge defence was always on song because we had a ball player coming at us, and we knew how to defend. You know, most uh, situations that come at us. And Wado says the same thing. You know, like we, I remember Grand Final week, mate. Me and Wado are up in each other's face, and we love each other, but we're up in each other's face trying to get the best out of each other. You know, almost getting into blues because we knew what was on the line and uh, we need to be better. So, you know, I was making breaks and he was making breaks and our edges were stuffing up and, um, yeah, lo and behold, come grand final night, we executed on the edges perfectly. Mm. Now, post-career, you're in, your, in commentary with the ABC and you, you enjoy that, that facet of your retirement? No, it's actually, I love it. I really do. It's my it's the ultimate uh, dream job for our footy. I'm in a great team. I uh, get to go to all the games, obviously, you know, run into people like yourself and, you know, all, all different players that you play with or played against in the, um, you know, in the back of the boxes and you get to talk at half time and, and, you know, sort of get a feel for how they're seeing the game. Mate, you, you couldn't ask for a better job, so I absolutely love that. And, and I've also, you know, got an opportunity to give back to, to young kids out Western Sydney, which is absolutely going amazing. We've got 26,000 kids that are going through our, um, you know, our uh, Super 6. Um, uh, training program out west and, it, and it's absolutely fine and to see these kids the way they change and you know what we're all about is you know coaching behaviours first it's absolutely mind-blowing so my life's pretty good at the moment I, I can't complain and uh, here I am still living in beautiful Cronulla so happy days all right there's the man who played uh, 116 games for the Sharks and that story you told about James Maloney in the grand final gave Sats and I in the studio chills amazing story Lukey Lewis mm. thanks for sharing it with us on Sports Day not too easy, boys. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, look forward to chatting soon. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL. Big news for English uh, cricket supporters. Don't know about for Aussie cricket fans. Well, I'm excited because you want to see the best players going at each other from December 8th no, at the Gabba for the Ash. I do. No, you yeah. want the worst players out. No. You want the best players out oh, so you can you, smash them. Yeah. You, you blokes do. But the man I'm about to talk to wants to play against the best to be the best. Ian Healy, welcome to Sports Day. I'm right, aren't I, mate? Jason, don't put words in my mouth, mate. I'm with that. <laughs> Sophie, stay home. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Oh. And Joffre Archer, don't get any ideas that your elbow is coming <laughs> you know, because he, he would love playing in Australia as oh. well. Now, Heels, we keep hearing stories with this announcement of Ben Stokes about the effect that he has on the players around him, driving standards up. Uh, is he that much of an influence on this English side? Yes, I think he would be. Um, he... He's, li- he's lived and breathed a lot of time with Warney, 
So Warney, you know, and that's like an Ian Botham type model mm. where he, he gives other players confidence just by being in the team. Now, even if his, you know, left index finger doesn't really come up and uh, and he's not as effective with the bat, he'll be, he'll be, you know, athletic in the field. He'll be able to bowl with his right arm and support the three quicks that were going to be without him. Uh, and and still encourage and lead. So, but I'd expect him to be, you know, almost fully fit, even even if he's short of a run. But it's only in July that he that he stopped playing. He was captain of England in July. So so he'll be right. He's, he should be fresh. He's dealt with his mental issues, if whatever they were. I think it was just fatigue, probably. And physical injuries. So operations done, and he's back. Now, what they look at Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson. They're the other two frontline bowlers, aren't they? Now you throw Benny Stokes yeah. into the equation, and Michael Vaughan, their former great skipper, has said, "I was always going to be a five-nil victory to Australia with the squad they're taking out." How much does that change now if Michael Vaughan had his time over again with Stokes in the side? Yeah, he'd be saying it's three-two either way. I reckon. Mm. Um, and because you've got another fella called uh, Ollie Robinson, who's who's a real tall thing that r- really hits the pitch. He should enjoy bowling as well as, as Broad and Anderson. Um, and they're going to need to be better. Broadie and, and uh, Anderson haven't been super successful in Australia, so they're going to need to come with a lot of energy. Uh, then Robinson, then Stokes to back all that up, and then the spinners need a bit of a hand. But then Stokes in the batting order, Gives Joe Root another uh, another lung. You know, he gives him a lot of confidence. He's been, I think he's probably the number one batsman in the world at the moment, Joe Root, with the 12 months he's had. Uh, and he too is looking for better performances in Australia. Uh, but, but their top order is really shaky. Root's been holding it together. And their middle order is not bad with Butler and Bairstow. So Stokes fits beautifully into that as well. That hundred he made, I, I don't know whether you blokes watched much of it in 2019. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, it's a very famous hundred. He made 135 and won them the game. You know, having been in super trouble when he went in, it's an incredible innings. I would say maybe in the top three innings in Ashes history, that's what he can do. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Now tell me, you you're only joking about Joffrey Archer, weren't you? He's not. There's no chance of him. Changing his mind too and saying he's okay. Well, not not that we know of. We think he's not coming, but he might a... really pump some anti-inflammatories into that elbow, <laughs> and out he comes as well. He's so, frightening, um, isn't he? You know, but you, yeah, he can be. You know, and and he's he's experienced in Australia because he's played in our Big Bash uh, for a fair few years, three years maybe. Uh, he'll be chomping at the bit to get out to Perth and Brisbane and, and these wickets where he can really get it at the throat of the batsman, you know. So, so uh, yeah, we haven't heard of any inkling of him being able to get here. Yeah, so the first test uh, early December at the Gabba, which you must be pleased to have heard that. There was a lot of debate around, could they would they come to Queensland first because they've, they've got a quarantine and saying we'll have two tests in Sydney. It's outstanding news, isn't it? Uh, we got last week that they're definitely coming to the Gabba first up. Yeah, yeah, because there were some options for them now. Um, they didn't have to quarantine. They go to Sydney. They don't have to quarantine, do they? They, they can, no, they, they can don't. roam, mm-hmm. and they could, you know. But they still decided we're coming to the Gold Coast. We're going to quarantine. We're going to quarantine, or, or yeah, yeah, quarantine because they're bringing two teams. They're bringing the Young Lions team, and so they've got an opponent in within the hub in the bubble that they can play against. So training will be great. Um, and they're going to give themselves time 
to acclimatise to Australia, uh, the weather, let alone the pitches. And and the last time they did that, they won uh, out here under Andrew Strauss. So they're finally going to give themselves a month's preparation and maybe a bit more than that before the first test in December 8. So that's a good thing for them. It's a good cricketing move. It's a good health move. And it should set their tour up very well. And Stokes is going to need it um, with uh, the lack of game fitness that he will have coming to Australia. Now, it's the first time he's played an Ashes series in Australia. Uh, Heels 2013, he debuted at Adelaide. And um, he missed the 17-18 series. So first time in Australia with an Ashes series for nearly 10 years. Does that play much of a part with a different climate, different pitches, whatever that may be? Oh, he's he's used to that, um, I reckon. It'll fire him up, you know. They're really desperate for, you know, good performances. He's made a century against Australia in Perth, so he's one that has got a century. Joe Root, for example, hasn't got a test mm. century here. Um, so so um, he'll be fired up. I think it'll fire Australia up as well. It just makes the clash a lot more meaty. Um, Stokes, he'll always be classified as short of a run until he gets into the Test Series, you know. You, you don't duplicate Test uh, atmosphere uh, without playing it, you know. So, But I don't think... He, I think he's a natural-type player that doesn't need a whole lot of preparation. He, he could come in and fly by the seat of his pants and perform very much like Ian Botham, you know. Come he's out Kiwi and hit too. the ball hard. Yeah, he born in New Zealand and his dad played rugby league for New Zealand. Um, and so when he was out here in that 2013, uh, oh, he was he was trying to play the tough guy, you know, and <laughs> and the Australians were good enough. They could just laugh at him. I don't think they'll be laughing at him a bit these days. So he'll be out here to enforce and, and he, you know, he'll be okay with the conditions and capable of handling it all. Yeah, it's exciting. Now, we spoke to uh, Joey Burns yesterday around Will Pukowski and, of course, that 10th that, uh, concussion that he's had in a training mishap last week. Are we hearing about what's going to happen with Pukowski and what that opening partnership may look like when it comes Ashes time? No, we're not. Um, it's way up in the air. Now, Pukowski, I think they start a Shield game tomorrow that he yep. wasn't available for against New South Wales. And then there's one next week in back in Victoria. So the two COVID lockdown states playing against each other back-to-back. He can play next week from all reports. So all eyes will be on him, of course. Um Burnsy, Burnsy wouldn't have given him much, eh? He would have told you, no, he's really struggling. He was very empathetic, yeah. he was, actually. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, the voodoo doll, eh? <laughs> <laughs> this is Off The Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. Yeah, certainly is. Time to have a look at our racing form for the weekend. Thanks to Queenslanders Racing. The action continues this week across the Sunshine State. Visit racingqueensland.com.au. Chris Nelson joins us on Off the Bench. Chris, hello, mates. How are you, Jase? Big weekend of racing ahead. Oh, and it goes through till next weekend, of course. It's now, is this officially the Melbourne Cup Carnival, the first weekend at Flemington? And, and what, four Group 1s we kick it off with, mate? Yeah, four Group 1s at Flemington. Uh, they kick off with race number five, the Empire Rose Stakes for the Phillies and Mares, but there's only Mares in it. There's no Phillies. Uh, the Victoria Derby, race six. The Coolmore Stud Stakes, race seven. And the uh, the Cantala, of course, is race number eight. And I tell you what, looking at those fields and trying to pick a winner, 
Not an easy task. If you can get a winner of any of those four races, you'll do very well on the day. Well, question without notice, any Queensland horses we should be looking out for in any of those uh, group ones? Well, there's no Queensland horses as such going around in any of the group ones at Flemington. However, there's uh, one Queenslander going around in, in not a group race, but a $7.5 million race. And, of course, that's the, the Golden Eagle at Rose Hill on uh, on the weekend, of course, being... Um, Apache Chase, we lost my line there, being Apache Chase. Destiny Forster and Jimmy Byrne uh, combined there for that particular runner in that rich race. Now, Jimmy Byrne will have to probably quarantine when he finishes up there on uh, on Saturday. That'd be interesting to see yeah. what happens there. Hey, um, you did well last Saturday. What'd you get, three out of four, something like that? Yeah, the last three winners helped. I, I did send a text to someone during the afternoon. It wasn't you. I did send a text to say, I don't think I'm going to tip a winner at all today. And uh, fortunately, things turned around in the last uh, four, three or four races. So uh, how's your that form, was good. How's your form been this week, though? I mean, you did you did all right last weekend. Well done. Congratulations. How is your form this week? <laughs> how, how are you going into this bumper Saturday of racing? Well, we only really had Ipswich on Wednesday, and Ipswich is always a bit of a struggle on the personal front for me. Oh. But uh, I think we had two good things there: one won and one ran third. So yeah, not too bad, I suppose. So fifty percent strike rate's not bad. That's not 50% bad. Fifty percent strike rate. So but, where, uh, yeah, where are we racing in Queensland this week? And dare and or oh, sorry, this weekend and where and dare we ask for a tip at all? Well, we are racing at Eagle Farm. Our main meeting is at Eagle Farm, so you can expect a good track there, which is which is always good. We might get a little bit of rain around Saturday afternoon, a few storms, but it'll have to rain pretty heavily to open up the track. Uh, race one, number two, Big Musky. Now, I think Steph Thornton and Tony Gollan could be in for a very, very successful day. There's about five horses there uh, from the Gollan stable that should probably go close to winning. This is the first of them. Race one, number two, Big Musky. I hope to get black figures, but I'm not... Uh, I'm not holding out a great hope, but I think we'll be winning. Uh, a bit of value, race five, number nine, Be Water, My Friend, was a very good run at the Sunshine Coast. Had plenty against that day. That was first up from a spell. And look, with a scratching in the last of Better Get Set, Salatine looks uh, the standout. That's race 10, number six now. Uh, Better Get Set came out. They ran second and third in the in a race at Eagle Farm a few weeks ago. They were both very good runs from the back of the field. I thought Better Get Set might have had the measure of Salatine, but it makes it a lot easier now. So we'll just be all over number six in the get-out stakes. All right, mate. Plenty going on. It's a big weekend, of course. So we're lining up for Tuesday for the Melbourne Cup and lots of uh, racing carnivals on that day as well. But we, uh, we'll cover that off more on Monday. How's that sound? Yeah. Yeah, massive day all around Australia. And we can cover plenty of, plenty of territory there for the Melbourne Cup, etc. on Monday. Look forward to that. And you're pushing the uh, Prime Minister for a public holiday Tuesday uh, Australia-wide. Is that correct? I am. I, I, I've been pushing this one for years. I mean, there's so many... I mean, the, the first Tuesday in November is obviously a public holiday in Melbourne, but they're big days, big race days all across Australia. Everyone seems to knock off work at 12 o'clock. I mean, mm. I'm in Queensland and no one seems it will be working past 12 or not many. Everyone stops to watch the race, so I can't work out why it isn't a public holiday nationally. But uh, I'll, I'll keep pushing, Jase. I'll keep pushing. You've just described your day every day, though, haven't you? You don't really do much past 12. You're like a vampire. <laughs> You're breaking up now. It's breaking up. <laughs> Queensland is racing. The action <laughs> continues this week across the Sunshine State. Visit racingqueensland.com.au. See you, mate. See you, guys. Rightio, this has been Off the Bench for another week. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, Sports Day with Badge and Sats back Monday night. We'll catch you then. Have a great weekend.